Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome back to Tales of Moxie. Oh, this is such an exciting episode for me because I had an opportunity to get to know this guest in a way that I don't get to know most guests. This week, I get to introduce you guys to Nicole Zasowski. She is the author of From Lost to Found, Giving Up What You Think You Want for What Will Set You Free. And I just have to say, I was on the launch team for this book. And it was one of the greatest joys and experiences for me because Nicole is the real deal. She shares her story in this book in ways that are just so raw and so vulnerable and so open. And a lot of times I feel like we can read a book and think, are they really like that in real life? And I can tell you that she is. She was so real as meeting with me in this podcast interview, but also throughout the entire process of getting to know the people that were involved in her book launch, she is real and she is raw and she is vulnerable and she's just a joy. She's so beautiful inside and out. And so I'm excited for you guys to get to hear her story a little bit and to hear the nuggets that she had. There were so many things that she said today that I just could not wait to get into your guys' earbuds. She is a wife, a mom of two boys, and she's a marriage and family therapist. So it was hard for me at times not to want to turn this into a counseling session, but I hope that I ask the questions that you guys would want to ask and that you guys get to take away all of the nuggets, like I said, and the advice and the wisdom and just the overall experiences that she shared with us. So settle in and I hope you guys enjoy. Well, welcome, Nicole, to Tales of Moxie. I am so excited to finally have this conversation with you. I am so excited, too. Thanks for having me. I am, I just, like, I have so many things that I want to talk about, and I'm so excited to, like, dive in, but I just want to say I got a chance to be a part of your launch team and kind of get to know you in a different way, and I feel like I already know you, despite the fact that this is our first time talking. Oh, that means so much to me. That's what I, that's really what I was aiming for with that launch team. I wanted to get to know the people in it and I wanted it to feel very real and genuine and like a little family on the internet, which was so fun for me. That's my favorite part, I think, of launching the book. Well, you definitely accomplished that because I did. I felt like, oh, I already know her and I've never actually talked to her. (laughs) So So awesome. So it was great. Um, And I definitely want to jump into the book, but before I jump into the book, I would love for our listeners to just get a little sense of maybe who you are before, before author, but who are you and what is it, what is it that you, you want our listeners to kind of know about you before you start talking about your story and experience? Sure. So, um, I am a wife to Jimmy and a mama to two little boys, James and Charlie, um, and that is 
that is such a joy and a gift um, to me and is to get to be in those roles. Um, I'm also a marriage and family therapist, so, um, and that certainly happened long before the book. Um, never thought I would write a book, um, but had a practice in California, and then about nine years ago exactly, we moved to Connecticut, um, and I have a practice here as well, and then um, about four times a year, pre-COVID, <laughs> not not this year, but pre-COVID, uh, and hopefully post-COVID, uh, about four times a year, I travel down to the Atlanta area, and I am a part of uh, the team of a ministry called the Hideaway Experience, which is a marriage intensive. Um, so it's four days, five couples. Uh, we eat, sleep, and do therapy all day together. Um, and I have a partner that I do that with uh, about four times a year, and it is such a joy. Um, it's it's really rewarding. Hard work, intensive is a good word for it, but it's really re- rewarding. Wow. So you are, that. I think that's one of the things that I found most interesting and neat about your story is you are really in this kind of work all the time. So you, this is not, you know, this is not something that you just decided one day, I'm going to write a book. No, this is, you're, you're in this work, you're hearing people's stories and you're living out your story in the midst of all of this. Yeah. The book was really born at a 30,000 foot level. The, the book was really born out of me discovering for myself what I had known to be true for my clients. I was always very passionate about helping others find peace and joy outside of circumstance, Um, but I didn't realize I was personally missing out on that freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it took a lot of loss and a lot of change um, for me to, for God really to pry my fingers off of what was keeping me comfortable um, to be able to receive that freedom for myself. I'm not, I'm not sure I would have been brave enough to choose it if I'm really honest with you. Um, but yeah, the, the book was really me living, living my own version of what I had hopefully helped other people learn. Mm, and that's so neat because I think we oftentimes think that you know, the counselors and the people that we go to for advice have it all together all the time. So that's a good reminder. (laughs) We definitely don't. If you're seeing someone who you think has it all together, I call bunk on that. Oh my gosh. So let's jump in. So the book is called From Lost to Found, Giving Up What You Think You Want for What Will Set You Free. And you kind of just said what I would love to jump in on, on how you were saying like, letting go of what was making you comfortable and you got changed, things changed drastically for you. So can you maybe just tell us just a little bit about that and then we'll talk about that kind of comfort zone? Yeah, I don't, I don't spend a ton of time in the book talking about this season, but the book starts out, uh, we're living in California and it kind of gives a glimpse of how my life was before. Um, and I say in the book that looking back on that season, I always thought the enemy works in our lives by attacking us or making us really miserable. And certainly, I think that does happen. Um, But what I recognized is that in my life, often the way he works is to make me totally comfortable without Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that is the best description I have for that season when we were living in California. I uh, was very dependent on my own performance, my own hard work. I, I thought that the good life that I had was a result of my own grit instead of God's grace. Um, and I just was very much, I wouldn't have ever said this, but I was definitely living like it, where I, I was living this narrative that if I just work hard enough, I can make the life I want happen for myself. Very false sense of control um, and, and self-reliance. I had a strong relationship with God, but didn't realize I was adding all of these other comforts um, that held my true identity and my true security um and once by the end of the first chapter um is sort of the beginning of this season that could largely be characterized by change and loss and that's when things like performance and perfectionism and control um the things that I relied upon to feel significant and safe were called out as frauds um and that was extraordinarily painful uh, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Well, and I think especially where we live, you know, and in our culture, that's probably extremely common because I, I feel like when I was reading your book, that's what I related to the most. And I felt like that was like a gut check, you know, was like, yeah, no, I oftentimes feel like, no, I have a good relationship with the Lord, you know, yes. but then I, I do start to realize, but wait, I am very comfortable and I have a lot of things that like you said I feel like I hustled for um and and that's kind of our culture right like that's it's built in around us so it's it's almost going against I shouldn't say it's only it is it's going against the grain to say no I'm not I'm I didn't hustle for that or like I worked hard but the provisions were from God you know and things like that so I really appreciated that part of your story of just learning like no that was something that I didn't step back to think am I too comfortable Mm -hmm. so when you when you moved out of that kind of life you moved across the country started an entire new entirely new story basically and you and you said just now you were saying like the pain of like letting go of that comfort can you talk a little bit about maybe what that pain was like at first because I think that's probably where most of us, when we start to feel that pain, we can almost just stop and say, no, I don't want to feel that. What was kind of the importance for you of feeling that and stepping into that for a minute? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I definitely would have taken the out had I been given one. <laughs> um, and I, I say that just to be honest about the fact that, again, I, I, I don't know if I would have been brave enough to choose this story. In retrospect, I can see how being uncomfortable and being stripped of those comforts gave me, was probably the only thing that would have given me empty hands to receive God in a different way. Um, Meaning I had a better understanding of his character than I did before. Um, I was desperate for him in a different way than I was before, which cultivated a different kind of relationship between the two of us. Um, and, and therefore that, that had a trickle effect into my relationships here on earth too. And, and my relationship with myself, I started to understand 
what does make me significant and what does make me safe in God's economy instead of all these things that I had loved to add to Christ. Um, I'll be honest about the fact I did grab for those things. I thought, well, I'll just start over. I'll prove myself here. <laughs> I'll win everybody over. I'll work harder than anybody else to just rebuild my life somewhere else. And by God's grace, that totally failed. Um, and I was not impressive to the people that I tried to impress. Um, and, and my grand plans of, you know, I confronted things that didn't matter how hard I worked. It wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna make it different. Um, mainly our, our infertility and pregnancy loss journey. I've had five miscarriages. Um, and that just was a whole nother layer of uh, my effort isn't enough. Um, and that really opened me to God's grace in a different way than I had seen it before. Mm. Yeah. And that, that's a big part of your story. And before I talk about that, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry that you experienced that. That is painful. We've walked a, a similar journey on that and it's very painful. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Um, Thank you. And as, as we're kind of talking about that, one of the things um, that in this, I saw it on your social media recently and I thought, oh my goodness, that was another thing that was just so good. You said when you were talking about pain, am I being a good steward of pain? Um, and I thought, can we just talk about that for a second? Because that, especially I feel like in this this, this moment, these times right now, I, I'm hearing a lot of people in pain in a lot of different ways. Um, yep. And I just thought, can you just touch on that just a minute? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was one of the most um, poignant uh, concepts for me in the living of the story in the book. Um, it started with, I had just had one of my miscarriages, I, I don't recall which one, and I was talking with my mentor, uh, who was still in California, he was one of my professors at Fuller Seminary, and he said, he ended the call and said, I know, Nicole, I know you're going to be a good steward of your pain. And I had always thought of stewardship as stewarding our gifts, stewarding our time, uh, our talent, and our treasure for, you know, to, to serve God's kingdom um, and to serve him. I had never considered the concept of what it looked like to be a good steward of my pain. And... The idea there is that often when we are in pain, um, deep, deep emotional pain, um, we feelings are real. We can't eradicate pain from our lives, um, but we do have a choice, and it's an important choice as to whether we are constructive with our feelings or destructive with our feelings. The way I would have been destructive is to perform my way out of it. Everything's fine. I can manage this. I'm not going to be vulnerable um, with God or anybody else. I'm not going to be honest about how much this hurts. Um, I think sometimes people, you know, we all do different things when we're in pain, but there's this idea of destructive entitlement that can slip in there, um, which is basically because I'm in such deep emotional pain or I've been wounded so badly or this thing has been taken from me, 
I can react. I have the right to react however I want to react, even if it's hurtful to somebody else. And that's where we get, that's, that's what perpetuates hurt in generations. We see it a lot with families, you know, oh, I grew up having to do this, so now they turn to their child and say, it's your turn, mm -hmm. and they, they give a destructive message, you know, to the generation below them. Um, and we, we see it between us in, in our culture. Um, I've been wronged in this way, so I have the right to wrong you or somebody else to take what's been stolen from me. Um, often it's taken from, from the wrong place. Um, and so we are wise to just say, ask ourselves that question. It's a question I've been asking myself a lot. I do have pain, but am I being a good steward of it? Am I speaking truth to that pain? And am I choosing to be constructive with it instead of perpetuating the very pain that's hurt me so badly? Um, you know, how do I want my family to remember me when things were really hard? Um, what do I want my friends to say about me when, you know, I confronted something that was really really difficult mm. yeah and and I like the fact that you're not saying that that takes away from the pain because no it doesn't at no. all um and there's it's I find in the Christian realm there can sometimes be a kind of give the Christian answer to pain and you know right. and move along kind of a thing and you know the the very cliche lines of you know not that they aren't true that you know God has a purpose for it and things like that, but kind of using that as, well, let's move past that because, you know, God has a purpose. Um, so I, I enjoy hearing you say like, no, you can't, there is a choice that you can make, but that's not taking away from the fact that this is painful. Um, and I, I also think it's really important what you were saying about feelings. And I've heard you talk about this before, but feelings being, you know, real, but not necessarily true. Yes. Yes, that's another thing that, that's been helpful for me is feelings are absolutely real. And what you were just saying speaks to that. Um, you know, we often, I would say most of the time, have very, very valid reasons for feeling the way that we do. Um, and feelings are not wrong. We need to be curious about them. They're, they're clues as to where maybe in our story there needs to be some healing or maybe a relationship that needs some work they're really important to pay attention to um and if we don't name them we can't address them so mm -hmm. so we're absolutely doing ourselves a huge favor by acknowledging that they're real and putting names to them where we get into trouble and where our culture lately has gotten us a little wrong um is that there is a difference between feelings being real and feelings being true. Um, they do not tell us the truth about whether, about our significance and our safety. Um, and so instead of reacting to our feelings, we are wise to speak truth to those feelings, even if we don't feel it, um, because the reality is we can think and act our way to a new feeling we cannot feel our way to a new way of thinking and acting. And so uh, 
it's important to name that truth regardless of whether you feel you have a ton of evidence it's true um to, to speak that truth and to choose to act on the truth instead of react to the feeling mm. now in your own story did you find yourself having to do what you were just talking about yes and i still do um there are many moments uh, where, for instance, I, I feel inadequate, um, and that feeling is strong. <laughs> like it, it's, it's one of my big wounds, and it, it comes up often. Um, but in that moment, I have a choice. I can I improve and perform, compare, um, and perfect my way out of it, or I can look at it and say, as much as I feel that that is true, I know that I am significant outside of circumstance in my performance. Um, and that my significance has nothing to do with how this moment goes. You know, whether it's before I speak or before a particularly difficult counseling session. Um, and I'm going to claim that. And I'm going to relax. And I'm going to do my best and know that God is with me. I have the power of the Holy Spirit on my side. Um, and I'm going to rest in that. And I will say that out loud, um, which, you know, if you overhear me, you might think I'm crazy. But uh, the reason it's important to say it out loud is our brain processes it differently when it hears it versus just thinks it. Um, and we can think about 9 million things at once, <laughs> um, but we can only say one thing at once. So it keeps us really focused um, and we're more likely to follow through on that. Mm, what a great little nugget there for yeah, those of us that are, <laughs> yeah, especially for those of us that are, you know, wanting, you know, something that we can actually do. Cause I find a lot of times that's what my listeners ask is like, oh, well, that was great, but like now what, what, what can I do, you know? And that's, that's really neat to be able to say, okay, there's something that you can, you can actually try at home, right? Exactly. Exactly. No, it's a simple thing. Um, you know, if, if you're trying to think it, just say it out loud and keep yourself really focused on that. Yes. Awesome. So as you're kind of, you were moving through your story and you're learning to well you're being forced to let go of what's making you comfortable um you're walking now in pain too like you're you're in the middle of some hard things in a place that you are not familiar with and you don't have maybe the support system that you would like to have what are some of the kind of truths that maybe you knew before you know because I think a lot of times we can know head knowledge the truths but maybe what are some of the truths that you knew before that just suddenly became real, that you actually had to lean into and, and now became something that you believed, like, soul-wise? Yeah. Um, I think one of them is one that I just shared, that I am significant outside of circumstance. I really, you know, in experiencing failure, in experiencing um, an inability to win somebody over, I then had to decide, okay, you know, my confidence is in God's call, not in the accolades of other people. Um, and I had to really put my weight on that in a different way. Um, I had to decide if I was going to let the lack of confidence others had in me derail what I truly felt God was calling me to do. Um, 
and thankfully I was not willing to do that. Um, and another one is that I'm not alone, which is ironic because I did feel, especially in those early years when community was still building and, and hard to come by, um, I did feel like I was on my own a lot, um, but that's where you know the comfort of the Holy Spirit became real to me in different ways. Um, our community, even across state lines, um, became really significant, and I feel like it allowed my community here to grow in some really special ways and mm-hmm. expedited those relationships in ways I could have never foreseen. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it was sort of a watershed moment. I had a book launch party here uh, back in January and I was being interviewed sort of up on a platform so I could look and see all the guests at the party and many of them, names showed up in my book and, and just, and if they weren't named, they were definitely in my heart. Just this beautiful picture. It was what some people call a thin place, you know, where heaven feels a little closer beautiful picture of this community that had walked me through one of the hardest uh, seasons, the hardest season of my life. Um, and I couldn't imagine any other faces mm. having that. And what a gift I would have never, I would have totally missed out on if I had um, not moved. And if, if that, if I had been in control of my own story. Um, and it was such a picture of God's faithfulness um, in, the, in the midst of a story I, I wouldn't have chosen for myself. Um, and now I, I just, I'm so glad it was this community um, that walked us through that season. Hmm. That's so good for those that are maybe still in the middle, the in-between of that story and are not on the other side, you know, to kind of have that hope to hold on to. Um, And I'm wondering, too, if maybe listeners that are in that in-between spot, maybe what kind of expectations maybe changed for you along the way? Because as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking, and you had said, you know, the Holy Spirit became more of a comforter to you and 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 if I recall correctly you were very community-based before so you know that's that was something that I'm I'm also community-based and I feel like if I moved that would be feel like a hole to me um so did you find yourself changing your expectations or was it just like I'm I'm just going to settle and see how this plays out how did your expectations kind of tie to Maybe your hope? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I I think it made me more intentional. Um, I think community had sort of found me in previous seasons of life, and partly, you know, in my growing up years, I feel like that's often how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and in California, you know, we went to college there, and so it was, it was fairly easy to continue that community after college several of us stayed in the Los Angeles area um and so it it, it was just sort of always there um where I think my expectations changed is I realized I need to participate in building this like I need 
me to be the friend that I long to have in Connecticut. Um, I need to intentionally pursue those relationships. And I was really multi-generational in the way I did that. I, I just constantly pursued coffee and lunch or a walk with, um, women of all ages. Mm. Um, my husband and I started a small group. We had never done that before. Um, and, and I'll be honest, the culture motivated us to do that as well. Um, because if you, if you do nothing in this good culture, um, it's, it's pretty God deprived. Um, Mm. it's, it's not a, um, it's not a church. I think it's one of the most unchurched uh, sections of the country. And so we just got several couples together and said, we want our marriages to look different than the status quo. We want to raise our families differently. Let's support each other through the years doing that. Mm. Um, and that group has evolved. I talked about it in the book. Um, but it, so I feel like I realized I needed to be a more active participant instead of just assuming the community was going to find me. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And that's hard. That's hard to do. That's hard to step out and be. It is. Yeah. When you're new and everybody is very closely connected and for years, you know, mm-hmm. um, many people have lived here for a really long time or grew up here. So, um, but it's been the biggest. That's so neat. So for, for those that are maybe, like I said, in the middle and cannot see maybe his provision in this or the hope that is coming, um, or maybe they've been in it for, they've been in their situation for years. And it's like, I had that hope at the beginning and maybe now I don't, um, maybe what what kind of can you speak into that or can you give them maybe just a little a little bit of hope that they can try to hold on to yeah I think um, one of the things that was really important for me was when I was and, and not assuming that this is the listener by any means but I uh, held so tightly my own vision of what I thought this season was supposed to look like or what success was supposed to look like or my dreams come true were supposed to look like that I nearly missed the blessing of God's provision in that um, I didn't appreciate what he was doing for many many years um, because it didn't match my expectations um and so I had to be more open. Okay, maybe the path was different. But I have a choice in whether or not I see what is good in what is versus only being willing to see the beauty in what I want. Um, and in terms of hope, I have such a complicated relationship with hope. Um, and so I really understand just those moments of feeling Um, and honestly I insert hope into that verse on faith like Lord 
I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. I insert hope in there. Lord, I want to hope because I believe that you are a safe investment for my faith. Mm. Um, but help me because I don't think I can do, I, I don't think I can hope in my own strength. Um, and I still have moments like that. I had one yesterday. Um, so this is, I'm by no means all fixed up and fine. Um, and, but I, I have a new understanding of how to approach that relationship and uh, how God wants to meet me there. Um, because hope doesn't guarantee us the outcome that we want, um, but it does guarantee us the person's presence in Jesus Christ. And I, I count myself blessed if that's the one I receive or not. That's so good. Thank you for that. Um, kind of as we're wrapping up and, and kind of coming to an end, I'm curious, and I'm, I'm sure you do, but I just want to kind of see now that you're on the side of the story and you have written a book about this and you're public about it, have you found yourself in any ways getting comfortable again? same kind of comfortable I was before this story started but I do now from lost to found I ended before boys were born um I finished writing it before they were born but I had opportunities to add their birth in in the editing process and I chose not to um because I didn't want to confuse the message that our hope is in the giver and not the gift itself, no matter how wonderful those gifts are. Um, they cannot capture the hope and glory that we have in the giver of all gifts. And I wanted that to be really clear. Um, where I have struggled is, you know, just being, um, my hesitancy to, step into the light <laughs> um, and that sounds kind of strange because I always thought oh I'll dance for joy as soon as I see that light and as soon as I see some glimpses of the dream for life um, and I've I've realized I've really struggled to do that um, for a couple reasons one is I found such a special intimacy with Christ in the dark um, that I do not want to go on autopilot in the light. And um, I'm learning how to engage deeply with God in the midst of joy and not just struggle um, and really delighting in him um, in the midst of, you know, joyful circumstances and not just painful ones. Um, and the other hesitancy I have is that I'm, I'm struggling to feel like the other shoe is going to drop. And so it feels easy to, you know, I'm used to the dark. I'll stay in the dark and that way I'll be prepared for the dark. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I'm missing out on a lot um, because when you protect yourself 
from pain, you protect yourself from the joy too. And I'm realizing that that is me in this season, to be totally honest with you. Um, I'm missing out on a lot of joy and delight because I'm not stepping into the light as often as I could. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for the courage to celebrate um, and asking God for that. And that sounds like a strange concept in a lot of ways, but um, that's where I am in this season. Mm, thank you for being so honest. I feel like I, I can feel that as well in different ways, and I'm sure that a lot of listeners will relate to that. So thank you for being so honest yeah thank you for being honest that's that's really good and that this is a hard this is a hard season like I I've tried to remember that as I've stepped back into um these interviews is that this is just a very a very hard season a lot of people are feeling things very very deeply and very new you know things that they might not have felt or experienced before um being forced to experience them and feel them all now and then even in ways that are not tied to other people, which is hard to, um, so it's a good reminder to us because I think that I also can kind of sit in, you know, that darkness instead of celebrating too. And, and having that kind of different leveled and multifaceted relationship with the Lord that it's like, you know, a relationship that we would have. I oftentimes forget that this is a relationship like I would have with other people that, you know, if I call them when I'm sad, I call them when I'm happy. I, you know, do the same kind of thing with the Lord, but I, it doesn't, you know, I forget that. I I tend to be a lot more specific with my friends than I would be with God. Um, and just thinking, no, it's okay. He wants to partake and wants us to partake in all of that with him. So that's a very, very good reminder. Oh, I'm glad it's, it's been a good one for me. So I'm preaching to myself. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I, I just, I'm really excited for the listeners to get to hear this and I'm thankful for how honest you've been and for your story. And I know, I even know of a few listeners that have reached out to me and told me that they read your book, um, and that they, it made such a difference in the time that they were at. So I'm really excited for listeners to get to know you and for those that haven't read your book to go and read it as soon as they can. Cause I know they're going to want to know your story more. So thank you for taking the time with us and for sharing with us and for finally like having this happen I'm so grateful yeah me too thanks so much for having me this was fun thank you thanks for listening to this week's episode if you want quotes from each episode or want to find and reach out to the awesome people interviewed please find us on instagram under at tales of moxie and follow us for all the details and for info on who will be on the show in the weeks to come As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at talesofmoxie at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.